and welcome back to Over Underrated. It's your co-host Fran. I am here with Babs. Unfortunately, she is under the weather, so she will not be talking this podcast. And I will be really, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Hi, Babs. How are you doing? Hello, Fran. I uh, have husky tones, which, you know, could be good for singing. I was um, singing in the car. Uh, on the way back to Brussels after a trip to Luxembourg. And I was singing along to Erasure with my darling papa, previous guest, Pana Minister George. And I could hit some low notes that I previously couldn't. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this is fun. Uh, but yeah, the snotting and the coughing and the slight fever I had were not so fun. How have you been? My back is absolutely kidding me. So oh, we have... no, we're back on this. I think, I think in the last episode, we were discussing our ailments and uh, we're still ill sorry guys to be <laughs> having to listen to our these old music fans complain well fran i've t- like i was at the osteopath two uh, hours ago but he was very happy with my progress so um yeah my back has been okay for the last couple of weeks i hope you found some nice professionals to help you out well i will follow this podcast with a hot bubble bath guys so you can imagine me floating in, in hot water dm for <laughs> pictures of fran and the bubbles oh yeah but um, we're not going to be just discussing colds and bubble baths, unfortunately. Um, we will be talking about music. So uh, have you been listening to anything apart from Erasure? Anything apart from Erasure? Yes, I have been listening to a Portuguese artist called Ana Lua Cayano, who I went to see in Luxembourg last week, and she blew me away. She mixes basically traditional Portuguese music with hip-hop and electronica. And that I was like, this sounds right up my street, and it was. I went to see a performance in like a concert hall and it was so interesting because it was her and her synths and then she had this array of Portuguese instruments that I, ignorant Portuguese immigrant, had no idea about. Mm-hmm. So one was like a box with kind of felt like pebbles in it that she used as a drum. One was this uh, toy thing that you pull and it has little toys on it, but it makes a little shaky, shaky sounds. I'm really, I'm describing it so well. We are getting some actions as well, guys. You can't see. Yeah, you can't, you can't see the actions, um, but it was, it was really impressive. And I think it, it was so the wrong atmosphere for that kind of concert because it was in a concert hall and it was very, and it was like a formal event. My dad said that I was the one who was the most dressed for that concert because I was dressed as per usual, quite informally and everyone else was in suits and uh, the Grand Duke's son was there. Oh, for <laughs> it Grand was Duke. that kind of concert. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was absolutely incredible. And I thought that kind of audience, you know, non a lot of them non-Portuguese would riot, but I think a lot of people enjoyed it. And yeah, if you, if you like, you know, as in Eurovision, we see that all the time, right? You know, traditional music blended with modern. Mm-hmm. If you like that kind of thing, I really recommend checking it out. And I, of course, will add it to the playlist for this episode. How about you, Fran? I have been listening to all of the songs from 2023, but I can't mention them because that will be on a future podcast. So I'm, of course. I'm, I'm now scrolling through songs that I've liked but haven't made my playlist. So I have liked OMD's new album. Did not know they had one. Did not know they it's... were still going. To, I saw them a couple of years ago live and yeah they still got it and the new album's really really good um, speaking of uh, 80s bands who randomly are still going is Flock of Seagulls wow have a new wow. a new track which is really good they've even done an album of an orchestra and I've got no idea where this budget came from because I mean yeah um, I have been listening to The Lemon Twigs a bit of The Hives Guided by Voices Citizen Duran Duran of course and crosses. There we go. Okay. A lot of songs to be added to our books. I like you're mentioning it now because, you know, we can't mention it later. I see what you're doing. 
and I approve. Although future Barbara doesn't approve because she has to make the playlist. But, but future enough, Barbara, Barb, Barbara, future Barbara gets to pick what song out of those bands she wants to put on. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm going to put, I think, all songs from 2023. If I don't, call me out on it, guys. Email me. <laughs> but um, we aren't discussing 2023 artists today. Well, not really. Uh, we're discussing uh, two singer-songwriters, I, I assume we're going to call gone, them. I've gone, right, either art-pop or avant-pop. Uh, okay, uh, avant-pop. Avant-pop. I, I would say, because art-pop still sounds like it could be kind of, I don't know, talking head styley. Uh I'd say avant-pop because it, it's a bit more out there. Yeah. Should we do that? Yeah, these are people who can play it in an art gallery and it'd be fine. Yeah, they're, well, their artistry is more than just the music, I would say. So we have Bat for Lashes and Bjork. And yeah, we shall be discussing Bjork first. So shall we get into the Queen of Iceland? Overrated. Let's get into the Queen of Iceland, Björk Guthmannsdottir. Thank you for your pronunciation. I, I thought I'd skip that part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if we're going to go into the way you pronounce it, is Björk. It's not Björk, but hey, it's an English-speaking podcast. It's uh, let, let's stick to that. <laughs> so yeah, so we've been discussing Björk for a while, thinking, you know, when are we going to pair her up and we discuss maybe doing an Icelandic episode, or but then we thought, okay. I don't know many Icelandic artists apart from Sugar Was. I know like Mum and is it Melia Torini or something maybe? Melia Torini. Yeah. But then I'm struggling and I thought I know Bjork ish, but I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I kind of crept away after the Great Sits in 2002. Um, I have heard things since, but yeah. So I thought it, she has a big back catalogue. I can't spend too long on two different artists so i thought let's do an artist that we know a little bit more to make our lives easier so that's why we paired her up with uh, bat flashes because i think that we both maybe know a little bit about her backcast. we are nothing if not an efficient podcast guys <laughs> but yes i will say and i'm sure you will mention it too that i wish i had another few hours to, mm. to research a bit more. I think when I first discovered her, I mean, yeah, I discovered her. When I first heard Bjork I back, in like, the yep. back in 1994, probably, I was like, oh, I don't know what's what happening here because I was not into that sort of music. And I think I kind of got into her around 97 when I heard Bachelorette and Yoga was when I really got into, into Bjork and I bought the album, bought the CD singles. I always loved her, uh, her videos. I think... Um, yeah, especially in the 90s, working with uh, Michelle Gondry and Chris Cunningham. She's had some of the, of the greatest music videos, which is probably why she became so popular worldwide, I reckon. And yeah, I've always kind of wanted to see her live. But I, I don't know. Like when, she, when she does like a big concert, I don't know what she played. Is it just her latest work or does she ever touch like debut posts material? I've got no idea. And if, it, and if she does, will she be doing it? as per the CD, or will it be now be completely rearranged to her current style? And I think when I heard her 2004 album, which is just Voices, is when I think, I thought, I uh. and then occasionally I'd like, we put on her new album at work, and yeah, nothing ever really fitted with me. So I've probably not listened to anything Bjork for 15 years. Wow. And, and I didn't know if she's ever gone back to like maybe her classical music or electronic music or if she's doing grime or or who knows. I had, I had no idea what she's doing. And obviously, randomly, as soon as we were going to do this podcast, she's suddenly become 
popular at the moment because he's got a new single out um, with is it Rosalie? Is it Rosalia? Rosalia, who we pre- featured previously, mm-hmm. and yeah, so she's now trending again. <laughs> not because of our podcast, obviously. Uh, yeah, not yet. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I've been listening to, to that that a couple of times. So yeah, I was I was interested to um to find out more about Bjork and you know have I been wrong to have been ignoring for the past fifteen years? Have I missed something amazing? So Babs, what's your journey for Bjork? So my journey for Bjork is that she's someone who I feel has always been in pop culture, right? I think in 1990, it's so, so quiet, was 95, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would have been eight years old, for sure. That would have come up. And yeah, as Fran said to me before the recording, like Bjork's Wikipedia is so long, we don't even have time to to get into it, you know? And I'm just talking about, you know, the swan dress as a a moment, Uh, her stalker who I, I didn't know about that, but that was uh, big news at the time. And yeah. how, like that strangely inspired some kind of weird body horror films. But anyway, so musically, it's, you know, it's what, well, it's so, so quiet. We'll, we'll come to it later. That was huge, but that's maybe not totally representative of Bjork's work, right? So I felt she kind of passed me by. She was someone who seemed always to be there, but I can't really remember seeing her music videos on TV because I didn't have music TV either. I think mm-hmm. if I had you know, in the late 90s, um, I think I would have got into it a bit more. But I have seen her live. I've mentioned this before, but I saw her in a Vector... To, well, I've been saying Vector 2008 this whole time. Turns out it was Vector 2007. So <laughs> correction to all previous podcasts. But I saw her at Rock Vector in 2007, and it was absolutely out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had, a, I think, an all-female brass band where they all had their hair kind of tied up, you know, in a kind of uniform style. Um, and what she, what was even more amazing, she had, I'm going to call them DJs. She had some people who had, um, a table and on the table, there was a screen in the front and they had these blocks that they would put on like, um, an electronic thing on top of the table and the blocks would make sounds. And if you twisted them and moved them around, it would make different sounds. So I I, I felt like I was in the future and this was a music (laughs) festival, right? This wasn't, this wasn't one of her concerts. And I, I was like, whoa, okay, this is, you know, this is more than just your average music. I, I got into it. And one of the songs, one of the songs that I've picked is the song uh, that really made it for me. But I think with Bjork, you know, with the the way that we did this playlist this time was that actually, so we, we listened to her whole discography. We split it in two. So Fran listened to the first half. I listened to the second half. And it is sometimes hard work to listen to Bjork because, you know, it's angular, it's edgy. Her voice some, sometimes sounds beautiful, sometimes sounds a bit jarring. It depends, I think, what mood you're in or what kind of album it is. I, I love the challenge, but to, to listen to those albums, you know, <laughs> in the while I was working or even in the evening, there was one evening where I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't go and listen to Fossera now. It's too much. You may have noticed I took the easy option, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, well, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, it, it wasn't, the, let's say, the easiest listening. But yeah, I really enjoyed kind of going through her discography and yeah, evaluating her properly because I, I think I know, did you have her greatest hits? Yes, yeah, so I've got her greatest hits and I have um, Hermogena Canas or I really own. Um, I mean, I haven't even li- really listened to the Sugar Cubes. How about you? Mm. Yeah, Sugar Cubes, I know the big hit that I can't birthday. remember. Birthday, birthday is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And that's it. And as per usual, I watched a documentary on her, so I found out that we haven't listened to the whole discography because she had an album in like 1977. 
So <laughs> um. uh, yeah, I also full disclosure, full disclosure. I also didn't listen to her whole discography because I had one more album to go. But the thing is, I had to pick five songs to listen to six albums. So I didn't yeah. listen to Fossera. Sorry, guys. But that's a 2022 album. I'm sure we'll come back to it. But uh, so I listened to Madala, Volta, Biophilia, Volnikura, and Utopia. And Fran listened to Debut, Pose, Homogenic, um, Selma Songs, and the one with the mini beats. That's the ticket. That's the ticket. Thank you. Yeah, that's the ticket. I had to look it up just now. I've not listened to her. <laughs> collaborations um really with like trip hop and i didn't know that she wrote um bedtime story with madonna that was interesting reading i did not know that either but i would not make that no 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 right so um yeah so we've done our best if i'm sure there's a dedicated bjork podcast out there for the hardcore there must be this is just team music fans opinion on bjork let's do it let's go so we begin in 1993 set the scene friends set the scene i'm like this <laughs> Uh, so um, I was in year eight. I had uh, curtains, baggy trousers. I yes, was yes, yes. I was going to school discos. I was enjoying the prodigy on MTV, and then suddenly on MTV, there's a lady with interesting hair and egg action in videos with dots over her eyebrows, I believe, mm-hmm. singing Venus as a boy. And I remember it was different. So I think around that time, I think that and big time sensuality mm. got played more than anything else around that time. Dance music was popular back in those days. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, she moved over specifically to um, England to work with like, uh, is it Graham's like, from, from A to A State? And then obviously she worked with um, Nettie uh, Hooper. And yeah, so this is, I didn't realize how sexual this song was. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds quite, you know, Quite nursery rhyming, a bit a bit cutie, really. And then yeah, it's, it's about, you know, it's got naughty, naughty words that Babs might go further into. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's got like, those beautiful Indian strings. It's got like a weird bottle noise that apparently she just had on a demo and they included it. And yeah, it's I think it's 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 weird because like looking back, looking at it now, it just seems like a normal pop song. But I remember like back then it seemed so alien and so what the fuck is this? Like this isn't kind of like this is so different. But now, like, if you're talking about Bjork, this is probably her most straight edge song, you know. It's like back at the time it was like, Whoa, what the what on earth is this happening here? And it's just strange how you're you know, how the musical climate has has changed so much that this is now the average pop song, I I assume, especially if like the electronic production so yeah i'm a, I'm a fan I, i've grown up into into uh liking bjork more than i did when i was 12 years old how about you babs can i ask though frank because you didn't put the normal venus as a boy you put the mick hucknell dream mix into the playlist <laughs> was that a mistake or i was just scrolling through spotify and 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 this just came up um yeah i didn't know i didn't know it said mick hucknell but i but i've been listening to the video all day and it seems to be the exact same as the music no, it's not, no it's, it's not the same. What, what's, what's different between that and the music video so the original version actually i i i prefer the mick hucknell version to the original version. hey guys to be, to be fair it's not called the mick hucknell version it's called <laughs> the dream mix sorry it's called the dream Mix. if it was mick... called the mick hucknell version that'd be amazing <laughs> but that's why i was like for that to be the f- like the first song on your playlist to say Bjork, Mick Hucknell, and Gota Yashiki was also in Slimly Red. I was like, okay, Fran's really making a statement here. The the remix smooths it out a little bit. I would say it makes it a bit funkier because I would maybe disagree that it sounds like normal pop now. Be- just because I didn't 
get into it immediately. So I imagine that, you know, 12 year old Fran also wouldn't have got into it immediately. I still think it's think it sounds way ahead of its time, which is uh, what Bjork is. This one took me a few listens um but i think actually watching it with the video with her making the eggs mm. charmed me to it a bit more um and yeah i was really interested to to see her perving over some eggs and it turns out it's from it's based on one of her favorite books mm. which i quote at one point a girl simone uses boiled eggs for sexual stimulation and apparently she had this whole discussion with the with the director of the music video sophie munner i think yes it was like, so Sophie was like, we well, have yeah, fried eggs, right? And Bjork's like, no, boiled eggs. We, fried eggs are not going to be sexy. But hey, I think both are in the video. So whatever whatever gets you off. I have never had any sex fun with a fried egg. But if you guys have, write in. <laughs> Vegans, sorry. <laughs> but I think the chorus is, cu- is still quite catchy, isn't it? Yes, but I guess there's a lot of weird instrumentation weird mm. you know weird for pop this is the thing i think bjork is so avant-garde to go back to that that it's like oh this is normal bjork because there's there's way more impenetrable but bjork coming up especially from uh, i think my selections but yeah and looking at her her album sales this i was surprised this is her biggest album i think they sold like over five million i think like each album she dropped down mm-hmm. i thought she would have like maybe peaked around the late 90s but no it keeps dropping dropping down per album bizarrely so debut sold more than post yeah yes it's like uh, yeah i think it's like five and a half million then post was like four then like then it gets like three then one then yeah the little i read about her wasn't she already big in the u.s with the sugar cubes to the point where they had um, a song on saturday night live where it was just her singing and Mm. the band so i guess maybe the hype came from there I don't know, but like I said, I remember Big Time Sensuality was a massive song, and I assume, mm-hmm. but you know, that must have been big in clubs around the world. But yeah, you think that, yeah, because of the song we're going to discuss in a minute, that the post would be her biggest um, seller. But yeah, mm, that is surprising. Her second song we're going to be talking about is a collaboration with David Arnold and Yara Wobble um, for the film Young Americans with Play Dead, which I think is the closest you'll get to a Bond anthem without being a Bond anthem. And it's 100%. And, and obviously David Arnold then took over from John Barry to be the James Bond composer like uh, the year after this. So Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm, I wonder if I'm doing it, Dave, because the film is pretty rubbish and this is easily the best thing about the film. In the UK, this was used for an airline and it is hard to not see the advert every time you hear those lush strings come in. If people say that she can't sing, then listen to this, because her voice is absolutely beautiful. As, as, as some people who are younger than me would say, it hits, it makes a, it, it has all the feels. Is that, is that the phrase? I feel like a granddad. Yeah, it has all the, it has all the feels. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, it, I think this is absolutely beautiful. I love Yara Wobble's um, bass line that comes in and out as well. And yeah, for me, it's, it's this and you two uh, have done the best Bond themes about being Bond themes. But are you a fan of Play Dead, Barbara? I love this song. And I thought I didn't know it from looking at the title. And then it started and I was like, oh, that one. And I was thinking, how on earth do I know this song? And I saw that it was in a Voxel advert as well or something like Uh, that. Okay. You know, it was really, really familiar to me, which was very strange. And yeah, I wrote, this is a trip hop Bond song. Mm -hmm. When the bass comes into its own and Bjork like totally lets go and is singing, it's... It's mesmerizing. Mm. I found this like quite an addictive song. I couldn't just listen to it 
once or twice maybe it's because you know it's one of those that I've only ever probably heard in snatches mm. or on the radio every now and again and to be able to kind of listen over and over again was uh, was lovely so thank you Fran and um in the music video it was really weird again having you know We've discussed Mick, Mick Hucknall in the, in the first song. Here, Muir Bjork in the music video, uh, it's Craig Kelly and Thandie Wayne Newton who were kind of snogging in the music video because it is from this film Young Americans that they're in that I haven't seen Craig Kelly looking fit as, can I just say. I mean, obviously Bjork did live in England for a while, dated mm-hmm. people like Tricky and Goldie and stuff like that and other men with more than one name. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really love this and would have never... Because I could, I think I only knew the strings, not the vocals. I would have mm-hmm. never said this was Bjork in a million years. I think it's on her best of, which is interesting. Because um, the song we're going to discuss next isn't on her best of, famously. It's like the old REM syndrome. What I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, next we have Oh So Quiet from post-1995. Probably her most well-known song. Um, obviously, it's like a 1940s random musical song. Apparently she used to hear this uh, on the tour bus and used to, to joke about it. And then she just did her a cover. Uh, it's a cover. I didn't know it was a cover. Yeah, yeah. It's from a 1940s musical. I think it's like an obscure musical. Because wow. I always thought, what the fuck is happening here? Because it just seems so unlike Bjork. But then yeah, you find out, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, the video is, is a brilliant. The Spike Jones music video, I think that kind of makes the song. But as, a fa- as someone who fucking hates whispering, then yeah, I, I hated this the first time I heard it. This is your room one oh one. Yeah, I find everything about it so so annoying for me. Um, I'm not like I'm not Mr. Razzmatazz. I'm not into the old musicals. Was it the roar of the grease paint, the smell of oh, the whatever yeah. it was? Yeah, from the covers episodes. I, I always find that weird when people say, "Oh, I love, I really love, I love those are quiet." So I was happy when it wasn't on, on the greatest. And she says herself, you know, it's not my song. Like it's quite annoying for a songwriter to have you know, my famous song is the only song you never wrote. I guess we mentioned that a bit with Simple Minds uh, in, in the covers episode as well. But yeah, uh, so for me, it's a thumbs down, but I thought I had to include it, include it because obviously you know, it's like, it's so much part of her career really. So uh, Babs, are you a big fan of Oh So Quiet? Uh, I'm glad you included it because yeah, for me, this is the quintessential overrated Bjork song, as mm-hmm. in this is a, a song that many people will only know her for this didn't even know it was a cover the only thing that i would say is trademark york is the fact that she switches between quiet and loud or mm-hmm. high and low which she does you know effortlessly i don't mind this song i think it's fine but it, it is overplayed it's it's just you know it, it you know in a wedding in a school disco etc cetera, etc cetera, i've heard it too many times and i think in a musical context actually that does make sense like you say with a music video when you can visually see it but uh yeah I uh, I didn't actually even listen to it because I was like, I know what it sounds like. I've heard it a million times. Let's just have a discussion. I mean, I love to see this played at a school disco. I don't know who's, who's dancing. I'm pretty today. sure. Really? I'm pretty sure. Like this was what 1995. That would have been. A, I, I was like eight years old. Oh, I would have totally been in my like, school disco. Like yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, you would have been in the club. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was finding some Jägermeister sitting to Oh So Quiet. Um, so <laughs> next to uh, my f- second favourite uh, Bjork song, which is Bachelette, which is the first single I purchased. So 1997, and yeah, again, Misha Gondry music video is absolutely insanely amazing. Uh, it's got that beautiful waltz p- piano, doom, 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 doom. And then the strings come in and raise up and it's like this beautiful beautiful melody and at the end it 
as it's Bjork, you then suddenly have animal squawks happening in the background and weird high notes. And I, I'm pretty sure she's not speaking English at the end. When she's going, because when you're looking at Spotify, does it even get, does it even mention lyrics? I think she's just, I hadn't even paid attention just, to be honest. I, mumbling. But then like, I watched the documentary as per, and Tom York says, the one thing he likes about Bjork, about Bjork is she's not afraid of uh, not saying words. Like for a singer, sometimes words can get in the way of the music. And with her, she's, oh, like, interesting. she's like, she will just sing what she thinks fits with, with the song. And sometimes he does speak Icelandic, but like um, uh, Yonsi from Sigurós, he does a similar thing. He just makes up yeah. his own language. And yeah, and it works great. And I think on quite a lot of her songs, I've always kind of, in my head, planted an English word there, but it actually is just her making a, a sound that fits that 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 part of the song. So yeah, I absolutely adore this song. Um, I've listened to it maybe five times today. Have it yourself. Uh, yes, I also love this song. I also think we're back in James Bond territory here. To yes. be honest, I think this would work. And before before any of this, if you tell me like, oh, Bjork would be a great person to do a Bond thing, I'd be like, are you mad? <laughs> uh, but we've had two examples from your playlist that she absolutely can. I'd also never seen the music video, exquisite. Mm. Like one of the best music videos of all time. Details after uh, details. Really detail after detail. And it's called the Drosh effect or something like that because it's like a picture within a picture. Yes, yes. And the way, like, it's it's gorgeous as you're watching it. And then when when you realize what the ending is it becomes clear you're like oh this is yeah it's it's a it's a short film i i adored it um and yeah so this was an album that i had listened to because i'd saved yoga and pluto yeah. from it i hadn't saved much from it and i don't know why because it's it's really really good and the accordion at the end, after all those strings and piano, it's so moving. I mean, you know, we've talked about how in, in some cases I don't like an accordion mm -hmm. <laughs> hold steady. Here, it, it's absolutely gorgeous after this expansive ethereal song to just have this quiet accordion at the end. So yeah, no, hats off. Over underrated. So moving along to... um. New territory for me because I have not seen Dancer in the Dark because it sounds really fucking depressing and um, and accusations. Yeah, so I, yeah, so this uh, is Selma songs. It's basically the songs that she wrote for it before then being asked to also be the star of the film and obviously she she won a, a best um, actor in the Cannes Film Festival and she said that she refused to uh, act again after her experience. Um, but yeah, so I, this was brand new to me. Um, it's got like an industrial train kind of backing track. Then it's like a soothing, cooed vocals. I, I love the build. And then you get the Bjork vocal line and delivery. Again, it's it, you know, kind of like we mentioned in the previous songs. She's got this great classical voice. For me, it's um, made my breakfast very dramatic because I listened to the, the best for I was making breakfast in the morning. And who <laughs> knew that the, uh, the, the soundtrack to Dance in the Dark is perfect for making breakfast in the morning. So yeah, I thought... Yeah, I'm surprised I've I spent this long without listening to the soundtrack. Maybe because I knew the film was depressing. I assume the music was as well, and mm -hmm. I think I knew the duet with Tom York from yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I, I, have I, that I, well. I don't think I've ever listened to anything else. So I was kind of surprised about how uplifting the song was. What What are your thoughts? Oh, this is by New World, by the way. New World from Some Songs. Um, so I think this was maybe my well, you know, it's also quite aside my least favorite from the playlist because. I find it somehow. I found it somehow a little bit bland at the beginning. I think coming after Bachelorette and Play Dead as well. I listened to it and I was like, mm, okay, so this is one that's not so good. But 
when it goes towards the end and the drums come in, mm. I was like, whoa, hang on. This is suddenly built to to what I really like. And I was like, okay, let me listen to it again. But oh, the the beginning just bores me too much for me to get on board. I will say that maybe because I've not seen it with the visuals, it might be worth to see how it works in the film. That's exactly what I wrote, yeah. Mm. Um, I think it's definitely atmospheric, but because it's not as dramatic maybe as bachelorette or uh, play dead it didn't quite get it for me and i mean because it was this was specifically written for a, a film so mm-hmm. maybe it came in a scene that was already imagined so yeah interesting but the, the one time this is actually in a film is the least dramatic version but yeah reading about i mean i knew about the accusations and then i went to read about them again and it's like it just sounds like a miserable absolutely miserable experience bless her yeah he's an interesting uh man isn't he he is so moving on to uh for me a depressing uh song so what's your next <laughs> what's your first pick so my first pick uh we're now at medulla the album or medulla where is the line and yeah with almost all of the albums i found it really tricky to pick which song to put forward to you because yeah it's that thing of i imagine you didn't know any of them right any of the songs i picked i must have at the last the year before this was the greatest hits. There's no way in hell I wouldn't have tried it, but I've got a feeling I might have read about the album beforehand and how it has no instruments. And I went for, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this song had no instruments oh, okay. until uh, until doing it. So yeah, where is the line? Um, oh, I've written most of the album is in, entirely a cappella, but Future Heads, this ain't <laughs> in reference to uh, to our covers episode. I think this song is addictive once again. I have had Where Is The Line in my head over and over and over again. It was really interesting to read about how she she wrote it and how she went with a beatboxer. And she said that she was so happy when she heard the first playthrough that she silently cried and that Mike Patton from Faith No More is also in this song. And, you know, for me, reading the lyrics, I'm like, this could be about you being annoyed at anyone, but apparently it is... Bjork attacking her younger brother for being greedy and unreliable. <laughs> Sibling rivalry. I had no idea she even had any sibling. I don't think I've ever heard of her. Mentioned. Well, yeah, I mean, again, I'm like, it was on Wikipedia. I clicked the link and there was a Sterigum interview. I didn't read the Sterigum interview, but guys, limited time, limited time. Yeah, for me, it's a little bit too much. Like, I forgot when I heard this, but it was all voices. And I put down, have they like sampled the frog chorus with the bowl? Bowl until <laughs> until I found out it's like it's a throat singer. I assume is what's happening there. Well, there's an Icelandic choir. That's in it. There, I think yeah. But yeah, it's it's a lot of, but it's like six and a half minutes as well. It's it's a it's a, that's why you get stuck in the head. But did it not get drilled? This is it. I think it's, yeah. But is that good? But you, like... <laughs> ha- I, you have to be in the mood. I agree. You have to be in the mood because if it gets you on the wrong time, you're going to be like, shut up. My line is here, Bjork. <laughs> I think also like. Because obviously I had maybe this like lush melodic songs previously to go from like that's for it and play dead to this is like oh god I need to like to reset my my head before yeah, yeah, yeah. before I it's get... almost like two different playlists from two different artists I think our playlists completely yeah. different yeah and and in some ways it reminds me a bit like of of uh, Davis Tovin from Japan because mm-hmm. he has gone in kind of like interesting directions but and he says you know my music is played for for galleries and museums like he doesn't even he says that he doesn't yeah he says it it doesn't even belong on stage so i'm like oh thank you Uh, because i'm i'm then listening as hard as i can as as an old fan thinking there must be something in here for me to like (laughs) but yeah and i think with bjork in some ways like imagine this was her debut album like it unfortunately Mm. it wouldn't it wouldn't get any play 
anyway, and I think you're very privileged to be able to do this kind of music, you know. I don't know if it's a cynical thing, because her first album had some house music. It was very much trip-hop. It was very much in the now. So obviously it's going to get a lot of press. Did she always want to do this sort of music, but didn't feel like she could because it's too early in her career? Or has she tired of that more popular music and, and dance music and then this was like what she wanted to do next I, I don't know it's, it's a bit like Radhead isn't it no, Radhead obviously when it started off as more of a normal rock band had, did they always want to do more ambient electronic music or yeah I mean I also she I remember reading in mm. on the Wikipedia that uh, this album was written in response a little bit to like the mad patriotism that happened after 9-11 in the US and she said that it was really weird for her as a foreigner living there because there was just like a million American flags mm. everywhere so is it that thing of just like she wants to strip it down because she's known for so so much complex electronic stuff does she want to prove that just with voices she can have the same effect uh, but actually I'm on Wikipedia now and there's a quote from her, from her saying Everyone was going, oh, she's making a vocal album. It'll be a horrible Yoko Ono experience. But I wanted to show that a vocal album doesn't have to be for the chosen few. It was just about working with the instrument. I know best my voice. So there's your answer. I wonder, you know, we touched on the stalking incident. You know, did that popularity mean she wanted to step back a bit a bit more, you know, and make something weird? Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was, you know, like for maybe for herself a little bit more. So it, it makes sense. And yeah, I think she kept... Um, Chasing countries, didn't she? With, a lot of, with each album, I think. I think Bachelor was in Spain. You said, yeah, this was in. Well, in Bachelor was in Spain because I think of um, because of the stalker. Because she, I think her her drummer offered her his apartment in Spain because she wanted to initially record it. Was yeah, because that was ninety seven, right? That that happened. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. was around that time was was the instant when she beat up the um, paparazzi. That was mm. that was everywhere. So yeah, maybe she thought I don't want to be a massive pop star anymore. You know, I mean, but this is two thousand and four, right? So it mm. is it is later. I don't know. I, I think I think that's it's what she says, right? Of first, like, can I make an album just with voices? Mm. And then she got you know people involved because yeah, there's there's Mike Patton. There's also uh, Tanya Tagak as well. Robert Wyatt, yeah. So yeah, and it, it says here, you know, it, I think one thing that I was like, well, duh, of course you should have realized this, but. Bjork is modern classical music, right? Like, and mm. I think if you go into Bjork just expecting pop, especially in the latter half of her career, that's a mistake. And I think maybe that's why even music fans like us sometimes go start listening. We're like, oh God, no, I can't do this because you are expecting another Play Dead or something like that. But I really think this is music that, yeah, you have to have the patience because it is complex music. And I really think it is, I, I, I prepared for this playlist kind of, in front of a computer or while doing other things, but actually I wish I'd had the time to kind of sit down with headphones, eyes closed to to experience it. So my next pick is Declare Independence from Volta. So this is the song that got me into Bjork. This is the song that she closed the set with at Werkter. And, you know, when she says, raise your flag, flags all raised up with the, the people in the brass band. It was produced by Mark Bell, who I was reading about, who mm-hmm. I'm guessing, you know, from Depeche Mode as well, who died ages ago, like in 2014. Wow. And I mean, watching this live was an experience, as you can imagine, because it's a very kind of chanty, you know, call to action song. I just love how it doesn't let up. Like those synths at the beginning are not happy synths. And it just, you know, not only do they continue, but then you have some drums and Bjork shouting, go to the top of your highest mountain. Wasn't it going to be an instrumental for a long time? Yes, it was going to, which is crazy when you think about it, because the lyrics are so in your face. 
uh, you can't really escape what it, you know, it's not one where you have to think about it too much. But that's what I've also liked about this song because I feel like it could go either way. Like obviously it reads as a rallying call against discrimination. She talks about damn colonists, make your own currency, raise your own flag. But you know, that could go down the nationalistic, you know, unpleasant route as well. It is also a bit like, I don't know, first year university, I'm going to, I just read something about, about politics and the patriarchy. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Flags are bad. But, Country's bad. I'm like, okay. But okay. to be fair, Iceland was colonised by Denmark until 1944. Yeah, I know. And, and Iceland colonised the UK. It's all, it's all. Uh... Oh yeah, it did. An island. An island. Yeah, yeah. So, so I I never really kind of read into this song, but she said that she dedicated it to people from the Faroe Island and Gre- Faroe Islands and Greenland, which obviously are the yeah. subjects of Denmark. And yeah, she sang it in China, and people chanted Tibet, and people weren't happy. And in Serbia, she talked about Kosovo, and people weren't happy. So I'm like, do you know what? Like I, I do hear you on the whole like first first year of university, but I'm like, she is using it for political causes that she believes in, and getting into trouble for it. So good for her. I remember this has a really great visual because I, I was working blah 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 in the record store when it came out and I'm thinking, oh, wow, I really love that visual. And we put it on and we were giggling to the lyrics of the song when we put it on. <laughs> so maybe that's why I and I think this was probably the last album I've listened to before, it's the, a great before, album. before the podcast. But so yeah, I can't remember anything else apart from this one song. Um I think you would like Earth Intruders, which is uh, co-produced by Timberland. Yeah, I read that today. It's like, what the fuck? He worked. So he, he worked with Bjork and Duran Duran. Like he begged, <laughs> he begged to work with Bjork. I remember reading about this at the time, where it was like, she was like, really, and he's like, no, I love you. And then, yeah, I said, oh yeah, and she said, uh, she said, oh, if, if this won't be a hip hop hip hop album, but we can find mm-hmm. where we cross paths musically, and I think yeah, it was like tribal rhythms as a kind of like yeah, honestly, Earth Intruders, go okay. go and listen to it. It's okay. really really good song. Tell me more about the live concert. So, what did she play? Was it Dustus album or? So I've got I've got setlist FM. Thank you very much. <laughs> so she did play stuff from this album, but she also played All Is Full of Love. She oh, played cool. Bachelorette, <gasps> Army of Me. Um, yeah, maybe that's where I heard it the first time. Um, Hypervalid and Pluto, as well. So no, it wasn't just. Uh, What's the strings stuff. apart from the the brass? Then on stage because he needs strings. Honestly, can't really, like, it was such a long time ago. Oh, okay. It was such a long time ago. But the thing is, like what I remember is having like the you know the DJs mm. and the brass band. So I think any effects would have been made by the DJs. Moving on to your next pick, perhaps. My next pick, perhaps the most inaccessible. I don't know. This is Hollow from Biophilia. So I heard this album for the first time yesterday. I did enjoy it. I could have picked many songs. I went for this one because I was like, oh, this is Bjork modern classical music vibes. Yeah. And I still, I've listened to it three or four times. I still don't know how I feel about this song because I think there's flashes of genius. The way it changes constantly, you're always paying attention. I really like the harmonies. I really like when the dubstep section comes in mm-hmm. uh, randomly. But sometimes the organ sounds can be a little bit annoying. Like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I would be curious to uh, to hear what you thought. Yes, I watched the music video and then I found out that... Oh, I, I can find the music video. Oh, damn it. It's, yeah. um, she did a thing with Apple. This is also interesting for Bjork, working with mm. these big companies. And Well, this is the, the app album, isn't yeah, it? Or... Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I and mean, I think she did like a... She was one of the first people to do one of those DNA tests and it's around that. And, it, and the music video is like someone's done a computerized version of her DNA and her chromosomes like completely oh, wow. completely zoomed in in, in real time. It's, 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 very, it's very... Well, it's, it's Bjork. Um, it makes sense. But um, yeah, I 
bit and it's like a creepy story time uh soundtrack <laughs> yeah it's got like those echoey weird vocals and some sort of haunting pipe work i'm never too sure what instruments pipes. I, I have. that's what pipes? it is yeah I, I think pipes you're right yeah she likes like pipes she likes a flute doesn't she she loves the flute we'll be coming to that in a bit it's a soundtrack to a nightmare and suddenly the stabbing organs come in and we're in the world of psycho but i'm whilst, whilst listening to this i'm looking at her dna it's all while the strange <laughs> senses do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and um yeah, just just reading some of the comments and um people saying this is the most beautiful DNA I've ever seen. Well, like, how, what? Many, how many how much DNA have you seen? <laughs> what does mate? that mean? But yeah, <laughs> but um yeah, some of the comments on, on her YouTube are, oh Brook fans are, are, are highly opinionated. Passionate. Well yeah, what is also quite I did find interesting going through the, the music videos is that the later we get, the less English comments there are. So I was having to do a lot of translate what's like at this period so i don't know if that means that she's not as popular in like in the english you, world. yeah 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 now she's she's bigger in, in latin and french world because yeah i, I barely found that's any... a lot of portuguese comments oh there you go so yeah it's, i find that quite interesting maybe she hasn't been as popular in uh in the uk and usa since uh i i, I also think to be honest i mean we we kind of she gets poked fun at a lot because she's so out there and she's so kind of unapologetic she's like yeah I'm going to wear a mask made out of hair. All right. I'm going to put sparks and like little feathers on my head and be a bronze statue and have extended legs. And I think it's, it is very easy to make fun of that. Mm. Also because it's weird and you're like, what? Uh, but you've, you've got to hand it to her. <laughs> like she doesn't compromise and she's, she's always shifting. Yeah. Cause like in the Oscars, when she, when she wore the swan dress, to me, that was yeah. like, it made sense. But I, I didn't yeah. realize that that freaked out all of America. But I, I think she also has, a sense of humor mm. like and and i think a lot of people don't realize that because it's like serious avant-garde music but it's like no she she definitely does that. like someone without a sense of humor would not have won that's what mm. you know she, she became famous so young that i'm sure that she has a bit of a defensive side uh when it comes to the press also because she gets so annoyed as as has crimes of like people constantly attributing um the producers that she works with as the composers and she's like this has been happening for, even with um uh, Volnikura, the one she did with Arca, mm. she's just like Arca had to be like, for fuck's sake, like stop saying that I've come up with this, you know. So, and that is what 20, 30, 40 years into her career. So, yeah, I think when she did um debut, she had like songs going back to when she was like nine years old. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been keeping like an archive of like songs for her her first solo album. So it's insane like how much music she's been gathering over the past you know, 30, 40 years. Yeah, I read as well that like she was classically trained, which makes sense, mm. but she found it too restrictive. Yeah, because you said like it took her until she was like thirty when she did like Bachelor for her to be able to do classical music again. Because yeah, it's just so hurt, well not hurt by it, but it's, I think it's just when you get forced into doing something as a kid. It's a conservative yeah. world, like you know, I I learned the violin until I was eighteen, and I like to go to the odd classical music concert. But even talking, you know, the concert that I went to at the beginning that I was talking about at the episode in this concert hall, I find it so strange that with classical music, it's like you're not meant to show emotion. You are sitting down. You're not meant to mm-hmm. reproach. It's so unnatural. And yeah, when classical music, music can move you just as much as pop or rock music. But uh, but did you like Hollow or are you a bit like, I I, I also don't know how I feel. <laughs> so yeah, so obviously going through your, your five tracks, that was the first track that sounded a bit more like the Bjork I imagined would sound like, if that makes sense. The, the similarities to her previous work more than like the previous two songs, I think, for me. <laughs> Similar to the next one you're going to discuss. That's exactly what I was going to say. Mm. We're so in sync. We're so in sync. So yeah, my next pick is a line song from Volnikura. And yeah, I could have picked so many songs, but this song 
stuck out to me immediately because of the really vulnerable lyrics at the beginning when the strings come in and she says, maybe he will come out of this loving me. Ooh, you feel it. And that was before realizing that this album was a breakup album from her mm. partner, Matthew Barney, and that she wrote this five months before they broke up as well. So this is this was written while the relationship was breaking down. That really kind of, um, yeah, makes it even more poignant. It's six minutes long. I don't feel it. I love how it goes. I've written modern radio heady towards the end, percussion-wise. It sounds very mm-hmm. modern Phil Selway. I've loved the image and heap effects on her voice. Uh, the lyrics are beautiful. Oh, yeah, I just I love everything about this song. Do you? <laughs> well, yeah, I'd never heard this before. I mean, I don't. Why is it called Lion Song? I couldn't find a reason. But um, I did not research that deeply. <laughs> but I love a flowered gimp outfit. Um, <laughs> So you saw the video. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the sad things about Bjork's modern career. She is loving CGI a bit too much for me. And I'm not a big fan of over CGI sort of videos. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of prefer her more imaginative ones from the 90s. But that aside, yeah, I put down yeah more 90s vibe. We're talking trip hop, strings, vocal effects. Um, it's long, but not annoyingly long. Yeah, again, listen to her vocals. Sometimes I think she is sort of doing like I'm gonna say mumble core but when she is just using, yeah, yeah, her, yeah. using her voice rather than actually saying lyrics uh, then yeah I didn't know that she had just gone for a divorce I I didn't know who Matthew Barney was to be fair I didn't know yeah before this, <laughs> no, <sorry>. this preparation <laughs> I was thinking about yeah is this an album for me to maybe go back to first of maybe is, is have you heard anything else from this album yeah I've, I've, I've heard i've heard all the al- like all the albums i've heard them but i just how much have i retained is the question because, <laughs> so is there anything yeah. so, is it this kind of vibe to the entire album or is this the most uh yes there is that vibe and okay. if you wanted to go to another song let's go to the first song stone milker stone milker okay so moving on to your final pick moving on to my final pick it's utopia which she did with arca who also produced this album mm-hmm. And I picked this in part because I thought it would be a nice tonic for you, Fran, after all those quite intense songs. It is fluty and bird soundy. I do find this one, yeah, maybe my least favourite from my own list because I think the beginning goes on for a little bit too long. But when Bjork's vocals come in, her, her high falsetto is beautiful. And yeah, did you watch the video for this one? Yeah, I did. And hence I said, it's, it's, she loves the CGI these days, doesn't she? Yeah, because there was a comment which was like, how much CGI do you want, Bjork? Answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there were some other great comments. The top two were, I'm so glad computer-generated graphics became advanced enough to handle recreating what goes on in Bjork's mind. And the second one was, finally, we are getting to see Bjork's home planet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I think Iceland can look pretty interesting sometimes. Absolutely. So yeah, I yeah not heard it before. I put down it's got some tranquil flutes when we were uh, floating above Bjork's paradise, whatever. <laughs> the, and apparently, was, planet, and apparently yeah, it's pink. It's, it's pink and and spectacular. Someone commented that this is the shade of pink they put in prisons because it calms people down. I don't oh, really? know the scientific <laughs> accuracy of that, but there we go. One comment I liked was like, "This is the uh, the mellow part before a, a metal track." kicks in <laughs> but 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 they forgot to record the guitar <laughs> but yeah yeah and i put it down oh it's, uh, oh welcome back uh the bjork i thought had had gone um and then she says this is called folkatronica is is, oh, what, yeah, yeah. is what genre they're calling it. i had not heard of of arca even until i was, I was reading up about, about ah, I, and well i'm glad that you hadn't because i have heard quite 
She's someone I, I've dipped in and out of over the years. One of those that I keep, you know, dipping in, saving a couple of songs, leaving, coming back. And I was like, well, now is the time to explore them. Um, yeah, I really recommend if you want to start with Broke Up. What is yeah. to start? Bjork was saying that she felt a bit nervous about working with Arca because she knew she was a fan. And she didn't want yeah. to work with someone who's a fan, but then it became like shorthand because she can mention like a beat from like a, an album and then she instantly knew what that was. And so yeah. that's quite useful. And Arca's Venezuelan. And apparently, like you were saying, mm. Bjork has some, uh, you know, notoriety. That sounds bad. Bjork is famous in Latin America. And I read that too, where she was like, can you do it like this? And Arca would be like, oh, do you mean the third beat from the fifth song from your <laughs> second album? And she'd be like, uh, yes, you know, <laughs> you know my music better than I would. And yeah, I read as well that... Um, I think she wanted Arca involved in her latest album, Fossera, but because of the lockdown, uh, they couldn't work physically together, so so she didn't. And so we mentioned her latest single then. Yeah, so uh, Bjork has done a single with Rosalia, which is about the fish farming in Iceland, mm-hmm. if, I, if I understand correctly. Uh, I think it's a very kind of natural collaboration of, you know, two artists who, you know, probably, again, inspired by traditional music from their homelands, um, but melding genres in in all sorts of directions. I I'm not a huge fan of the song. I have to say, at least on the first few listens. But I do think their voices work really well together. Which, when you have two quite unique voices, especially Bjork's, you yeah, you you wouldn't know how that would work out. But it, it does, I think. I think I read that it's a song that Bjork wrote a, a long time ago. Yes, and I so, also read that. But I like yeah, it's just got a catchy kind of nursery rhyme chorus. And I thought, is that on purpose so that it sticks in your mind? So then the whole um fishing discussion isn't lost like it maybe no, but that's sticking in your mind and you might keep thinking about what it's thinking about a little bit more is it a, is it a cynical way for that mm. so is bjork overrated i really don't think so i would almost even argue she's underrated which might shock you because i think both artists that we're putting forward today really made me confront maybe some internalized misogyny uh with bjork I, as I mentioned, you know, she was a bit of a figure of ridicule. She was someone who was like a bit weird and out there. And because because of all that, and because of some of the songs that I listened to that just weren't, um, you know, very accessible, I kind of dismissed her for a very, very long time. And I'm really sad that I did because, you know, on this list, there, there's just a list of 10 songs. Okay, I did pick five of them. But there's not one song I hate. You know, I find one or two blander than the others. And I think when people think of Bjork, they think of It's So So Quiet or a few other ones, not so much of the later ones, and not Volta, which if you want an accessible album, it's there. Uh, so at the beginning, I was like, no, she's definitely rated, but I'm like, no, actually, I, I do think she's underrated because I just don't think there's anyone else out there like her. And listening to her like this and her full discography, you realise how many people she's influenced, especially in the in the electronic world as well. You know, people where you're like, oh, I thought that, that was, you know, it's a bit like when we heard Primal Scream. Mm. and saw them influencing others so you know maybe not super underrated because obviously she's famous but is she famous for her music no I think she's famous for her uh for what she looks like or her weird voice much more so thank you Fran for suggesting this as a topic because I I would now argue in some cases Bjork is underrated so she's got what three million 3.7 month yeah yeah so yeah and I was thinking is that fair like, I was trying to, in my head I was thinking mm. how I think maybe for us because we are of a certain age mm. to us she's a big artist because yeah. we grew up with her being a big artist it would be interesting to someone who has, was born this century if they can name one Bjork song mm-hmm. so 
it'd be nice nice to find out uh it's funny you say that because one of the comments that i saw on the rosalia bjork song video was oh it's thanks to rosalia that i got into bjork because rosalia mentions her all the time in interviews as being one of her influences so i guess it depends how many of the younger pop stars are talking about bjork as an influence uh to to do that yeah so the 90s she's not overrated or underrated i think she she earned her success and since the 90s you don't really hear her so mm. <laughs> i can't say she's overrated because it's not as if i i'm being forced to listen to bjork every time i, I put on the tv or the you're radio. not listening so... to the, the hollow years <laughs> So, yeah, so I think, yeah, I wouldn't say she's overrated. I wouldn't say she's underrated. Again, it's hard for me to say that because to me, you know, she's a big name because I'm mm. not grew up with her music. So, um, but yeah, I, I looking at her sales, like, I think, you know, her last album sold 7,000. That's it. Which is, I know. It's crazy. But, when, but, when, but who's playing Bjork? I don't know. So, but I feel like Musos, right? Musos, Musos. But yeah, I think I think she's a, she's got a very loyal following, and that'll keep her going. But so yeah, in that case, yeah, she's not overrated because I think these days, apart from her her loyal fan base. I don't know how many new listeners she picks up really. Well, what's interesting is so the the song with Rosalia has been out for nine days. It's had two point mm. six million views. So I wonder if this is the new era for Bjork. Let's hope so because honestly, guys, I'm saying this. Yeah, as someone who you know came into this thinking I might think that Bjork was overrated. Um. This exercise, this playlist totally changed my mind. That's the end of part one. Do you like music and do you like podcasts? Chances are you like music podcasts. Take this one for example, Pick a Disc. I'm Matt Latham and every fortnight a guest comes on to Pick a Disc to talk about an album for any reason that they want to. They'll talk about the, the album as a whole, we talk about songs, we'll talk about any personal stories about the album, and if they've ever seen the band live, and all, all sorts of other crazy tangents. And if at any point any of that made you want to listen to Pick a Disc, then you can find us on your podcast apps of choice or on the Facebooks and Twitters and Instagram under Pick a Disc. We're also on the We Made This Podcast Network on WeMadeThisNetwork.com and on Twitter at We underscore Made This. Goodbye. Underrated. So welcome back to part two. And we are going into our underrated choice, and we have matched Bjork with Bat for Lashes, aka Natasha Khan from the UK. And we're just saying that um, her dad uh, is a famous Pakistani squash player from a, a legacy of squash players. Yeah. I, I didn't know that until today. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that until researching Hannah, how she was saying that she was very inspired by like the crowd. At squash matches, like the ritual and the community of it, which is quite how many how many artists have been inspired by squash? Yes, exactly. But I think that I do have a lot in common with her music wise because she has grown up loving basically I think all my favorite bands, which does help. Um, so yeah, I, I first um, got into Bat Flashes on her second album, the first album completely passed by. I think I remember the name being nominated for a Mercury Prize maybe but I don't remember any songs so for me the first song I heard was Daniel and I thought oh this sounds a little bit like Tanga of a Night Fleet Mac mix of The Cure if that makes sense and I thought oh this sounds good so I got into that second album first and then I saw her live in Portsmouth with Charlotte Hathaway in the band and I'm thinking is that I kept thinking for the first half of the concert is that is that 
much. And oh yeah, it was. And I was like surprised random that he's now playing in a backing band because to me he's like the lead guitar player of Ash and now he's uh playing uh, um second fiddle to a new artist I thought was interesting. And um yeah, I've been following her career slightly. I dabble with songs. I don't think I've ever really listened to many of her albums in full. I think I listened to a few singles here and here and there. And I've not seen her since, yeah, 2010, I guess that was. So I thought it'd be a, another chance to dip into her back catalogue. And yeah, I now think she's um, now living in America. I think she moved to America maybe 2017. Um, previously, she lived in Brighton and London. I think previously, she was also a uh, working as a, a nursery te- nurse school teacher while I was doing music in, in Brighton. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, she probably started to get popular, maybe about 27, 20, yeah, so she looked a bit older than most, most other first-time pop stars. So, yeah, I've always found her an interesting singer-songwriter. She covers a lot of my favourite artists. She collaborates with a lot of people I, I love. She's got, like Bjork, really interesting videos. She's got a, a perfectly beautiful, haunting vocal, a little bit like Bjork as well. And I've seen that she's one of the artists who has been influenced by Bjork uh, as well, um, especially with some of her... Uh, minimalist beats on her on her track so yeah i thought it'd be interesting to uh discuss bat finashes but what are your thoughts babs so my thoughts i'm going to repeat the two my my two bat flashes stories which i think i've told in the podcast but again if we're talking about the artist they have to be collected uh so my first story is that i saw her supporting radiohead in victoria park Mm -hmm. the the one and only time i saw them and when I saw her, I was like, oh god what is this like i just bring on radiohead this is not for me and I remember hearing Charlotte Hathaway talking about t- touring with her. And she said that there was a huge difference between her touring with Ash, where it was all these kind of men, and touring with Natasha, where it was like, oh, let's all like choose some crystals before we go on. <laughs> but did, did um, you think it was strange? Because that, that was really soon after her solo career, I found. I was like, whoa. Like, Woman needs to make money. I know. I, I, was, like, I, was, uh... I was a bit taken away. Yeah, I thought, okay. To me, it's a, a bigger star than, than Bat yeah. So I thought it was strange. But anyway. But she also toured with Nakani, I think. Okay. That's how you pronounce his name. Because um, I've seen, you know, I follow him on Instagram and, and yeah, they've, they've tagged each other and stuff a lot. So my, after seeing her then, I don't know if that was the first time I'd heard of her, but I was like, who is this hippie woman? with all this face paint uh and again internalized misogyny because i i think i thought her song was way more psychedelic and superficial and it really isn't from this playlist i did know some of the songs from the playlist i did change my mind when i heard daniel uh i that's a that's a brilliant song and and we'll get into it but yeah i think when you when you suggested it i was like "Mm, is it gonna like does she have more daniels up her sleeve or was it really hippy dippy that day? You know, what, you know, this was twenty ten, I think. And again, you know, Radiohead are like my all time favorite band. I'm seeing them a few years after my mum died. You know, my dad had come with me to accompany me, so I was I was I was very much not there for the support band. Um, so yeah, I was curious to see whether there were more Daniels or not. Okay, so um, she does like a uh, a person's name for a. She single. does indeed. Uh, and they're, they're always never actually the names of the real person they're about for obvious reasons. So we'll be discussing that next with uh, the first track, which we have Laura, which is about her friend, not called Laura. And I think, yeah, this is, it's going to be impossible to not say the word Kate Bush um, again and again when mm. discussing Bat for Lashes. Oh yeah, because I don't know Kate Bush that well. Oh, okay. 
future topic, yeah. And I, I think I even watched a documentary and she was also on there defying her love for Kate Bush. And yeah, so Laura, you know, it's, uh, it's, you've got that Kate Bush uh, weary ballad with that theatrical chorus, those major chords dum dum come in. And it was interesting reading about it, but it's co-written with Justin Parker because he had just recently written video games and it does sound a lot like video, oh, video games that makes sense now, yeah. yeah and he won an either novella for both songs so it is maybe similar ground for his songwriting but um yeah to me this yeah but when i first heard this it instantly grabbed me because i'm a sucker for uh, this kind of music and yeah i think for um yeah, I think it's written after a debauched party and her friend was, was low and she wanted to inspire her. So, you know, the chorus is, you're, you know, you're, is it greater than a superstar to me or something? And uh, reading in the YouTube channels comments, someone put, you know, um, my wife Laura died of cancer last year and she's also super, more than a superstar to me too. But yeah, and also there's a song by Radiohead called uh, Motion Bits Soundtrack and the instrumental version um sounds a lot like this and this could also be used in Westworld where that version's used and yeah I think it's a brilliant brilliant beautiful track so does Babs like it I, I don't think she will but let's we'll find Babs out Babs does like does it she? Dun, dun, dun. This, is, this is not Babs uh normal fare oh, okay but I I fell in love almost immediately as well you know for a, maybe five seconds I was like oh it's a piano ballad what's Fran Dunn putting this first on the playlist but the it's it's gorgeous hmm. the lyrics are incredible uh, not not just that you're more than a superstar, but she, she her talking about her friends' tears feeling hot on her bed sheets. Mm. Drape drape your arms around me and softly say, "Can we dance upon the tables again?" It's so evocative and beautiful. I will say that her voice sounds almost out of tune in parts. Like it's it's not that strong. You can really, but I, but I don't mind. I don't mind. But it's a bit strange, and uh, it ends really suddenly. Um, you know, there's no sad accordion here, like with your. <laughs> but I can't remember the ending now. It just stops. You know, oh, there okay. isn't a kind of coda or or anything like this. But yeah, I was not expecting to to like this, but I I really did, and I saved it. Well, it's a good start. <laughs> I wasn't start. I wasn't I wasn't sure with with um with bat flashes if you if you'd love it or hate it. To be fair, um, I've tried to have a mix of different styles. Um, so moving on to the last song I've heard by her, which was 2019 from the Lost Girls album. Um, Kids in the Dark, which is again is a slightly different pace. Um, to me, it sounds a little bit like the XX. I know you're not a fan. I don't think, I don't think you're a fan of the XX. Can't remember. Like no. not really. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So uh, but, yeah, Khan's voice like floats around a, a bed of, of like synthesizers and a repetitive guitar riff. It sounds a bit like Boys of Summer. We're meant to know that one. Um, yeah, she's a big fan of eighties music, as am I, as am I, and I close my eyes. You can think of lots of eighties sci-fi films. It's, um, it's got like a double chorus, which I'm a big fan of. Um, but yeah, I think she wrote it for a Stephen King um, TV show, oh. uh, and then kept it for herself. I enjoyed the, the mini explosion percussions. I'm a big fan of using real sounds for percussions. Or, as a depression mode fan, obviously, and I like people who use like fireworks in the background for, for percussions. So yeah, she said that um, moving to LA, she felt more romantic and wanted to uh, pass on those thoughts and feelings into her new album. So what did you think? Um, I think this could have been on the Drive soundtrack. And mm. I wrote, help me, Fran. What synthy bands does this remind me of? Because I was like, this sounds all like- All of them. All of them. But I was like, but all of them, but 
I don't know what what comes to mind is someone like churches or someone like that, but I don't know them well enough. Or XX, I'm like, yeah, that's that's what the XX. It's got yeah. that sort of feel to it. I think. Okay, I like the dreamy atmosphere. Mm. It didn't really grip me enough uh, the first time. I enjoyed it more on the second time. Enjoyed it even more watching her in the video making out with her husband. But yes, it wasn't one of my. I didn't dislike it, but I, it, it didn't make me want to go and listen to it again. To be honest. Sad, sad times. <laughs> I've put on two covers because she covers a lot of bands. She's covered The Cure. She's covered The Push Mode. I think she might have covered Radiohead as well. I believe she has. Well, she's definitely close because uh, one thing that I forgot to say was that in in The Haunted Man, which is the album that Laura is from, she had a really big writer's block, which led her to call Tom York because obviously she knew him from from supporting mm-hmm. Radiohead. And he asked, she asked him, you know, what do you do? And he said, draw. And apparently she took live drawing classes and did a children's illustration course. And that's what helped her uh, find the inspiration again. So there we go. And another link, another link to Bjork by Friends of Tom York. Friends of Tom York. So we're going to Boys of Summer, the live cover from Earth. This is a East London night spot. And uh, yes. this is a synth-driven, gone other driving beats of the original and that guitar line replaced with keyboards and a perfect vocal, I think. I, 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 is it better than original? Probably not. But I want you just to hear a different version of Boys of Summer, because I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times. So I thought, you know, it'd be nice to hear her singing live and doing a cover. So what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts were, yeah, I was surprised that you'd put not one but two covers. And I was like, mm. oh, is, is there a reason for this? And the second one, I can imagine why you put it. <laughs> yeah, I really like how yeah like you say she's made the guitar line piano and it's so simple you know boys of summer is a bit of a kind of song whereas Mm. this is very soft uh and pared down i like how she's kind of speak singing in parts and you know going back to the conversations we had on our covers you know do would i like this song if i didn't know it was a cover i don't know but it did grow on me it did grow on me, but I think it yeah, because it's quieter and you know, you know me, I can I can be a bit grumpier with quieter songs. Uh but again, I didn't I didn't dislike it, but I was just like, oh, okay, this this is interesting, but again, I didn't really want to go to listen to it again or, or save it. But kudos to her for, for covering also like I don't know, it's funny how it's like a very masculine song, like Bars of Summer. And she's made it, I think, yeah, more, let's say, traditionally feminine. Uh moving back to uh her 2016 album, The Bride with Sunday Love and unfortunately I can't stop hearing Sunday Lunch uh, which <laughs> can taint the song for me a little bit especially <laughs> when hungry yeah this is a more up-tempo single I thought I'd put on here um, and I put here it's got like yeah, the micro beats this maybe a bit, little bit redhead a little bit Bjork with a pumping synth ad um, yeah it's got like a, a Phil Selway beat comes in during the second part um, and and the bass comes to join the party. It's got harps. I think she uses quite a lot of harps as well. Again, a bit like Bjork. Um, yeah, and it, I imagine her lost in the woods, running away from something. In in my head, I've not seen the video for it. But yeah, I, I don't think I had ever heard this until this week. But I wanted to find something a bit more up tempo. So I thought I'd put a, a couple more of more up tempo songs rather than another ballad. And I'm glad you did, Frank, because this is excellent. Mm-hmm. I absolutely adored this. Can you hear the the full say what too much? Do you not mean by that beat? I do know what yeah, you mean. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you mean. But what I wrote down, you know, the beat at the beginning, the first mm. time I heard it, it reminded me of Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. I don't know why. <laughs> Go and listen to it again and see if you agree. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's produced by Dan Carey, who, yes, we didn't mention this. So she was in this um, 
like a super group with a band toy and Dan Carey mm-hmm, called Sex mm-hmm. Witch, which I'd saved a couple of songs. Sex Witch, let's say it clearly. I'd saved uh, a couple of songs by them. I don't think I'd realized it was her at all, even though oh, it wow. quite clearly is her singing. I I loved it, but I think you were a bit less keen. Yeah, I think it's not all covers of like 70s psychedelic bands. I remember it coming yeah. out and I remember loving, oh, that could be interesting. And then thought, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but I never listened to it again. Yeah, to be fair. I, I mean, I, I did enjoy listening to it, mm. but... Um, but this, I yeah, I just got into it immediately, like the the way it builds our vocals, all the different uh, synths and instruments coming in, and reading about the album because it's a concept album. So, have you read about this? No, but I remember like the marketing was save a date sort of thing. Yeah, L- there was a wedding wide. invitation. That sounds cool. Uh, so it's a concept album about a a woman whose fiance dies on the way to their wedding. Mm-hmm. Because she writes a lot of. These albums as film scripts, which aren't oh, actually does she? yeah same with the lost the uh, last album. So she she imagines all the songs as characters if if they're going to be in the film, which is why they are so filmic and why they see things about people quite often. But um yeah, she hasn't but, yeah. actually had a film out yet. Yeah, I mean she should like should yeah like mm. music videos are amazing. And I have seen the music video for this and it's really really good. She's dressed in a wedding dress and a guy comes across her in the in the mm. middle of the road, but there's some creepy other people there. As well, I would recommend it. Uh, no, I I adored this song. Saved it immediately. Uh, yeah, it's got quite a. The, she also sings higher than usual. Sunday. We're not Natasha Khan. Okay, move on. Don't don't listen to us. Go listen to Natasha Khan. But yeah, I was surprised that I don't think I remember reading anything or hearing anything about her last two albums. When I went into this, I thought, yeah, she, it's been a while since she's done anything. Because yeah, that that kids in the dark is the last thing I remember hearing. So. He's, who knows if she's been writing actually i know what she said she's had a baby i think in 2020 yeah. that's why she's yeah. not been releasing anything for a while but, but the, the thing, like even with the haunted man the album that mm. laura is from i remember that album cover because it's an amazing album cover mm. where she's seemingly naked and carrying like a, a a naked man on her shoulders but she you know she's very much in the dominant position so i remember that being quite striking um but yeah i don't remember anything about the the bride or the visuals or anything and yeah she looks incredible not big in Belgium then. Well, far as I know. well you say that she's oh. playing in Luxembourg next year in a festival with Always and Bombay Bicycle Club. Ah, so that means she may be bringing out an album then, I guess. Perhaps. Interesting, interesting. interesting. Thank you. Over underrated. Um, so moving on to another up tempo version. And with this one, I did mean to choose this mix. I choose alt mix because it's better I than the album to the version. Alt mix. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, the alt mix has got uh, a much better ba- um, uh, drum section than the album version. So yeah, I put on here. I like the lyric um, from inside his mouth. I licked his blood. Lovely. They, that striking images. With, um, there's a Bjork lyric which is like, "I'm a fountain of blood, dressed as a girl," or something like that in one uh, of the songs. But yeah, I, I thought. This is the track where I just hear all of my favorite bands. I hear the mm-hmm. cute, I hear the Kate Bush, I hear the Pesh Maid, I hear the riff, riff mix. I think she has like a character, I think, called Pearl, where yep. she's like, yeah, and I think, yeah, in this, she's got that 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 blonde wig. And I thought, okay, this is very Anna Lennox as well when she's doing that sort of uh, dress up. Mm-hmm. It's either ends with uh, a hound of love, hey, hey, sort of sounds as well, like from Kate Bush. But yeah, it's uh, I think this is uh, another slightly more up tempo single. And I, I thought I'd try and mix it up a little bit. So, what are your thoughts on the, a wall? Mixed it up and did you have? So yeah, this was, you know, dreamy in the same way as um, Kids in the Dark for me. So I, I was like, again, I like the atmosphere, but I, you know, I'm not sure about this. 
But by the time it got to the bridge and the harmonies come in and there's this kind of the subtle hooky bass mm. stuff, yeah, New Order as well as an influence, I liked it more. And again, as with Kids in the Dark, I liked it more on repeated listings, but I still, you know, if I listened to this in, the, in an indie disco, I'd have a little dance. But I didn't want to save it, unfortunately. So you've you've hit a wall and not a door. I've hit a wall, alt notes, brackets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to the track we've mentioned already. So to Daniel, where it all started for me. Um, yeah, I mentioned before. To me, it felt like Tangren and the Night Fleet Mac. I'm a big fan of that era with the with the vocals. The, the melody's majestic. She chose the name Daniel because she used to fancy Daniel Russo for Cry the Kid. <laughs> And I think she got a picture of his face drawn on her back for the artwork, which is beautiful. Indeed she did. I'm sure she must be very happy with the Netflix uh, series coming out. <laughs> it's a little bit more straightforward. Um, it's it's a bit more simple. I guess she's put on here that it's her version of Love is a Battlefield. By yes, I've got that as well, yeah. Of course, they quite light. And yeah, and did you also get me that she wrote it by trying to cover um, A Forest by The Cure? No, I didn't and, get and, that. And it led on from that. I've heard that from a few people. Ah, but... I wouldn't have made that connection, but it makes makes sense, actually. It's quite a good way of writing songs is to try and just, write, just play some other song and see if it will take you to another place. But yeah, so yeah, I think it's a fantastic song and I hope you like it. I agree with you, Fran. I think it's absolutely brilliant. This is the song where I was like, oh, I've dismissed this woman mm. unfairly. This song is absolutely brilliant. And that music video, which I hadn't seen for ages, but that was on a lot i feel when when i had music tv That's like I I remember. yeah definitely her with the hoodie mm. and then it flips and then there are the weird balloon black people uh what are they doing there rubbing up against her it's very yeah strangely violent for such a you know a song that's so gentle okay it does build but she has this gorgeous falsetto she mm. harmonizes with herself beautifully uh yeah i i think for a long time this was the only Bat for Lashes song that I listened to, but then I discovered or kind of rediscovered your next pick. Uh, yep. And, th- and that came along. And then a few others that might be coming up. But uh, but this was the first one that, that really made me be like, oh, this is not hippy-dippy. This is synth, synth indie pop greatness. Synth indie pop greatness. So to you, my yeah. next track, which is um, What's a Girl to Do, which is... Yeah, I, I I can't decide if I like or hate this. It's one of the assumptions of me. Interesting, okay. So I put this could be... A bit eyeless song I put now. Really? Yeah, I can hear. I can hear it's it because it's a little bit dark and creepy. Not creepy enough. <laughs> no, it's a little bit creepy. I put it's got. It's Have got, you seen the video? Uh, I've not seen the video. Yeah, I thought I put. Yeah, it's creepy, dark. It's tribal. It's a little bit infectious. But is it too repetitive? I can't decide if I like it or not. So down to you. Make my mind up for me. Down to me. Okay. Well, firstly, the music video is great, and okay. I got into it. I think one of those staying in a hotel room watching music TV. The music video is she is cycling in the dark and every now and again these cyclists come from behind her they've got animal heads so you know she's cycling in the dark it is quite creepy they come and then they clap on the beat the, the okay. comes up. it's, it's this very simple they say one shot video i don't know if it's one mm. shot i find it hard to believe that the people cycling behind it they're not visible at all so when they come out it's this big surprise um, as someone mentioned she looks a lot like lily allen in the music video as well, which yeah makes uh, makes sense but yeah i, I think that would have been where I heard it. Although I wonder again, would it have been in an indie disco 2006? You know, it was around that time. I was at uni uh, getting into it. I like it. I find it's her most Baroque y song with mm-hmm. the kind of harpsichord. Do, 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 do. I really like the mix between her singing and speak singing. Oh, is it maybe too whispery for you, Fran? Is that it? Is it on maybe, the, maybe, yeah, maybe on too, the edge? Maybe t- um, too SAMR for me. Um, I mean, it has got those. Is it the Phil Spector drums? The doom, 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 yes. Doom. 
when that comes in first, you're like, okay, this isn't totally original. But I think what comes afterwards uh, is, yeah, no, I, I like this song. So two, I believe the song that broke her first, maybe in the UK, the, it's a horse and I. And yeah, so I had to listen first after getting into her. And um, yeah, speaking of harpsichord, we have a nice harpsichord piece here. Um, and I put down, this to me is, could be 90s Bjork. In many, I think in many ways. Her voice sounds quite Bjorky. Yeah, and it's got that, is it the feminine? I can't kind of pronounce it. Feminine, yeah. The feminine in the background, you know, sci-fi thoughts. It's got that beautiful cello bass line, the miniature drums, and that killer chorus. And yeah, she, and she even sings about dancing in the dark. Another Bjork reference. There's too many. I, mean, she, I think she does name Bjork as an influence. Yeah, fair, she must but... she must seem much more, must yeah. Um, But yeah, Blissful, um, it transports me every time I, I hear it. Um, and I think it's the best track on her debut album. Interesting. Yeah, this is also on her three song EP from 2019, like a live version of yeah. it with covers, one of which is coming up. So, yeah, I was just, yeah, confused by that. But if you think this is her breakout song, mm. this is maybe why. I felt conflicted with this one because I quite enjoyed the beginning. But as the first verse ends, I found her voice a little, not, not her voice, but the melody line a bit whiny. Then the military drums come in and I was like, oh, okay, this has shifted. And I got back on board. But again, after a couple of listens with this one, it wasn't like with um, A Wall or Lost Kid. I was like, yeah, I think I've, I've listened to it, to it enough times. So actually, this is one of my least favourites from the list. Yeah, this was definitely from the debut album, is it? Is, is Fur and Gold. Yeah. Fur and Gold, yeah. Um, so to a track I discovered this week, I'd never heard this before. Mm. So we have a duet now with Let's Get Lost with Beck. Um, he also was in that Bjork documentary. <laughs> well, can you name the Bjork documentary either? Because I, I would it's, like to it's on YouTube. It's called Inside Bjork. It's like an hour long, and it's from two thousand and two. So oh wow, okay, so I, I, a lot. I, I can talk about Bjork up until then. Good thing that, that was your yes, remit. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this is from I believe Twilight, which I have seen all those films. I completely forgot. Oh, you've seen them all. I've I've seen all those. I've seen all Hunger Games. Seen all Harry Potter. Asking anything about this film and I'm fucked. That's me with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So back to the track. Yeah, to co-write with Beck. Well, I'm a fan. Of, I mean, I like Beck. I like Back Flashes. You'd think I love this. It's atmospheric, but it's really forgettable. And even now, I can't remember how it goes. And I've probably listened to it six times in the past two days. It just I don't know. It's it's just it feels like it should work but I'm just I'm hitting a wall as previously mentioned with this I don't know if you if you were able to uh, enjoy it more or uh, for me it, it feels like a fling or a one-night stand which should, not, <laughs> which should have never happened so with this song um I again I like the dreaminess of it mm. I thought their voices worked beautifully together but the piano annoyed me a little mm. bit. I can't even remember the piano. I mean, to be honest, I can't really remember the it's piano. Gone, exactly. So it can't be like good if, if we both can't but remember I, the song. I feel like the main thing that I remember is the let's get lost kind of, but mm. again, as with all these songs, I didn't I didn't dislike I actually maybe even like this song, but maybe because it's so forgettable, like you say, I didn't I didn't feel the need to rush back to it, which is strange given again who the artists are. Like it is yeah, mm. uh, it is Bat I will say Bjork. It's Bat Flashes and Beck. And the fact that I, I feel like this sounds like much more like a Bat Flasher song than a Beck song. And yet Beck vocally mm. is doing some great stuff here. So, yeah. But it's just interesting that we were both not aware of this and it's like two big artists together. So, yeah. I mean, the Twilight soundtrack again, mm. shout out as ever. I mean, to add to the playlist, The Antidote by St. Vincent, her best song from the Twilight uh, films. Uh, there's, I think there's a lot. There's a lot of great stuff on yeah. those. On those, uh, so we should, va- we should do an episode. Va- Vampire Weekend's best single is on the Twilight uh, soundtracks. We need to need to go and check it out again. Yeah. 
so yeah so bring on to it another i didn't want to put two covers but when the, i came across this i thought oh shit i'm gonna have to put for the, the second mode. it's the second episode this season that we're talking about a depression mode cover <laughs> so yeah i thought well it's okay fran we love you i'm gonna have to mention depression mode again so here we have strange love which is one of my least favorite depression mode singles and i believe it was from a gucci um advert which is interesting because she's kind of quite political and she does a lot of like uh charity work so i'm surprised if she did a big gucci advert but i guess you know again you've got to get you've got to make a wage you've got to get some money starts off with a, a more interesting keyboard sound than the original but I'm, i get lost it's got some interesting rhythms and harps but it does feel a little bit weak for delivery it doesn't isn't strong enough for me i, I miss dave gahan and as i said i'm not a big fan of the the first mode original, the best version is probably on one one when it's live. So for me, this is a bit of a mute cover. I think also Friendly Fires has done a shit cover as well. Strange Love. Oh, I like Friendly Fires. Mm. So what? I, I, I can't remember. You're a fan of the song, the, the original. Uh, yes, I, I am a fan of the original, and I hadn't saved this, but I did know her cover of a forest. I, I'd saved it. Um, I, I think I thought this was a good cover okay. actually. I, but I, I will with with caveats. So, um, is she playing a harp or a harpsichord? I couldn't figure it out. I can hear a harp in there somewhere. Okay. So, I enjoyed the harp instrument she is uh, playing and the great bass line. Mm. I really enjoyed the pain, will you return it, at the end. Mm -hmm. I think that actually adds to it because she's harmonizing with herself. But what is interesting, she's singing much higher, right? She's singing Mm. much higher than Dave. I think for a song called Strange Love, that makes it lose its edge. Like Dave is snarling almost. Yeah. On the original here, it's much lighter and airier. Uh, so the credibility of the lyrics, it falls for me a little bit until it gets to the pain will you return it. Uh, but even then, like, you know, it's it's soft for a song that is about perversions. Dave's a bit more menacing, isn't he, of the chorus? Dave is a pervert. Come will on. You give it to me, will you take, take it? it? Yeah. See, I can do that with my own voice now. <laughs> <laughs> not the greatest cover but um so yeah so for, for me i thought i'd give you a mix of a bat for lashes few for years um i thought ask you the question is bat for lashes underrated first of all have you checked out her stats on your spotify of course i have let, let me know so she has four hundred thirty-five thousand monthly listeners much less than i thought she would because i feel like you know maybe as with a few other people that we've talked about this season um what like ash mm. She's someone like Ash. I associate with kind of Britpop and and afterwards. I associate Bat for Lashes with the indie scene that I grew up with at uni. Like it's like she was a poster Mm. child for indie sleaze, as I keep mentioning as well. And the fact that it's only four hundred thousand, which is you know she's been going for a while, that surprised me. And I think she is underrated because I again I didn't hate a single song on your playlist. Uh, I the, thank you for introducing me, especially to um, to Laura and to Sunday Love. I mm-hmm. adored those songs, and it makes me want to go and listen to her albums. You know, I, I think, and you've maybe hinted at this from from your dipping in. I'm I may I might not enjoy her album, but mm. I think there's a good there's a Barbara ten or twenty track playlist there for sure. And she she has a lot more eighties in, influence and indie influences than I ever ha- gave her credit for. So again, yeah. thank you, Fran. <laughs> yes, and I was going to say that with Bjork, like I think, again, in, in the mid nineties, you'd you'd put Bjork alongside indie bands, wouldn't you? and maybe yeah. alternative music, yeah, a little bit more. Um, so yeah, so and Bat Flashes, yeah, I guess she would be kind of put alongside of those indie bands, but really she's not at all. 
like both bands anymore. Like. She isn't visually, but she mm. is sonically, right? Yeah, maybe. Dan, I mean, Daniel, you know, okay, maybe a bit more synthy than the stuff from the time, but you know, there's also some drums and guitars. No, I don't mean there isn't guitars. Maybe I take that. No, back. no, I think she, yeah, so when I mean, I've seen them, she presents herself quite like they'd be like, you know, just two keyboardists and like a big like drum sort of thing. Mm. But yeah, so visually, she's quite different to like the mainstream Indiex, but um. Yeah, I've, I think she's, she's an interesting solo artist, um, and I yeah, and I don't really hear much about her. And I was surprised that she was, you know, half a, less than half a million. That's not a, a lot, really, at all for like Bombay Basketball Club. I've got two point five million. So whoa, I mean that that, that shows. Well, <laughs> check out the new album, Babs. I think you'd be surprised by. I think them. we we need to do them. We need to do them because yeah, I I feel like I'm misguided in them as in. I feel like whenever I hear the name, I'm like, meh, but I don't know why. It's a fucking terrible name, and they regretted the name of it. It's, it's named after their local takeaway in London. I mean, I don't mind the name. I, I, I don't, it is evocative. So, yeah, so for me, I think she's underrated. I, you know, I, I, I'd be happy to, to see her live again, and I'm interested in her Me album. too. <laughs> It'd be a less judgmental twat. Uh, but I, I do think, I, you know, I did read a bit about her look and how she kind of writes about the feminine. You know, she is unashamedly feminine and I think for a lot of people including women including myself that does put people off because it's a bit like oh makeup and fashion um which I think yeah I'm someone who's not so into that but even like watching the Daniel video again she's actually dressed quite simply but she just has the touches of the blue eyeshadow as tears which I thought was absolutely gorgeous she you know she has such a soft voice like maybe in interviews as well and I'm getting to them from the the dredges of my mind from watching her live very softly spoken and it's like yeah that's not like indie lads way kind of thing i think that does put you know the less sensitive souls off unfortunately but again dealing with internalized misogyny is an everyday action so thank you to a man called fran uh for making me confront that and reassess why i might not have totally clicked with people like bjork and back and uh your final thoughts uh, my final thoughts, don't judge a book by its cover. If you see an artist and there's something off-putting about them, try and disassociate it to the music because you don't know what you might be missing out on. Exactly. I fucking hated Bjork when I was 12 years old. I hated a lot of bands we've spoken about and are going to love them. I put Nirvana as my favourite album of 1992. My 12-year-old would have hated that. So, you know, you're, mm. you're, you can... I think you should... We listen to, to music you hated as a, as a, a yeah. teenager, or you know, because your your taste change and you know. I think also Bjork as a twelve year old depends which Bjork, but scary. I guess I guess it, it would have been big time yeah. sensuality because that was played everywhere. But yeah, I think that a lot of people. I think I meet people who are my age, and I, and I speak to them about music, and they go, oh, "Yeah, I I hate." I mean, let's say Ash for example, and I then say, "Oh, well, have you heard anything?" And they said, "No." They're not, so they're not heard anything for twenty five years, but they assume that. They they must sound as actually the same as they did twenty five years yeah, ago. Yeah, so. it's the tribalism yeah. of music before the twenty twenties or maybe I don't know twenty mm. fifteens, where it's like you have your you know if you like a band like Ash, it's because you like rock and you're not a boring suburban living for the weekend you know hard fi type. You're much more interesting, and it's like guys, guys, guys. We can love the pop, the rock, and the hip hop. Only today, you no know, hip hop, which has always been a genre mm. that. I'm really not knowledgeable about, about I, I, you know, I made a playlist called like my hundred favorite hip hop tracks and I was listening to it and I was like, God, this is so good. But equally 12 year old Barbara liked some of them, but would have hated most of them. Randomly, I was probably more into hip hop at, at age 12 than you are now. <laughs> See you next time. Goodbye, guys.